Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. I'm here, Mark Immelman. This is, I, I think, it's our first time uh, doing it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, it's exciting, man. You had the PGA show, Orlando, Florida, this convention center's mammoth, and to see all the exhibitors and the buzz and all the folks showing up here, the demo day yesterday, which was brisk, <laughs> it was cold and windy, and but, but everyone was out there having lots of fun, and, and it's just good to be alongside you and be able to look at you when, at least when we do this podcast. Yeah, I guess technically we always do it live, but we're we're never in person. In the same room. We're never yeah, we're never looking at each other. I'm always, you know, thinking about the whatever you're going to say next. That's nothing out of the ordinary. You're though. trying to interrupt me and, you know, all that <laughs> nonsense. Now, it, it's been uh it's been a fun week. We got to have dinner uh with your family mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the week. That was a blast. That made the trip for me. Opened uh, your eyes, I'm sure. Oh, we just, I mean, we got steep on some South African <laughs> politics. We got, it was, we, it did, was, we did golf. It was definitely first cut after dark. Oh, yeah. We did, with subscription only. We'd right? have to charge for that podcast. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it's, it's been a fun week. And, and yeah, I got to go out to demo day yesterday. Uh, it's been freezing here. It's mm-hmm. not golf weather. I talked to my family, uh, they're in Oklahoma this week. And I think it's colder here than it is there in Orlando. That's nuts. When I came out here this morning, uh, Jacob, our producer, and I, we jumped in the Uber from the hotel. And uh, we had the Uber address plugged in to drop us off at the front uh, doorstep. Turns out that we turned left and we weren't allowed to go anywhere. So Jacob and I had about a mile-long walk in these uh, frigid conditions. It feels like we're somewhere in the 20s Fahrenheit. So, so it was. I was awake by the time we arrived on set. <laughs> Yeah, so we're doing a bunch of uh, HQ stuff this week on set, uh, doing some interviews. You've got Greg Norman. I'm doing Jim Nance later on. So there's a ton of uh, content that's being created here, and it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm always, I think the thing that I'm always blown away by whenever we get here is uh, the size of this convention center and, and kind of the scale of everybody that's here. You know, I, I think you're you're here for a couple of days and you're like, okay, like I've, I've, you know, I've seen the stuff, but I, I just I'm constantly amazed by how many people are here, uh, how many companies are here trying to trying to figure out like what their years look like, and uh, it's a, it's a pretty cool deal to kind of kind of kick off the the real heart of the golf season uh, over the next few months. It certainly is, and the PGA of America have tagged it well. They call it golf's uh, the, the the business major. So you've got your four major golf events, and this is certainly the major business event, and and you see. People from all ports. I mean, I just looked over. We were on set for that HQ, and and Dale Hayes, who's a f- South African former playing professional, won events in the European Tour, and now broadcast a long time for Sky Sports and South African TV. Saw him walking by, and I was like, "Whoa, Dale!" So it, it, this is not just an American thing in a big venue in Orlando. It's a global deal, and and it's neat for me to see because you know everyone talks about the growth of the game. It's neat to see the major exhibitors. You know the the Titleist, the Bridgestones, the the Pings, you know, all these sorts of companies. Um, You're Taylor giving American away free ads on Kind here. of, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's also nice for me to see folks in U.S. kids yeah. and this sort of stuff, you yeah. know, that, that, that groundswell of this organic sort of movement of the people through the game. And so that excites me to see how the game is honestly being grown and it's not just lip service. That a number of companies are paying towards it. Are there any products or companies or people that you're excited to see today? I know your dad's out here. What, what else are you going to go check out? Well, I'm going to go and check out Penguin. Their new apparel line is cool. Okay. Uh, I, I'm sort of a retro dresser kind of like you, and they've got some really cool <laughs> stuff coming out. Not as cool as you, just open disclosure. Um, Bridgestone, that new golf ball. The Tiger Woods is using yeah, at Torrey Pines this week. You were hollering about this yesterday. This thing is unbelievable, man. The core of this ball, I don't know what they call it, but they've got these two balls, the demo. And ordinarily this ball, this, this new cover, it bounces on a soft surface like a driver. So you get spring off the driver face. But then they drop it on a hard surface like a wedge. And this thing hits and splat, almost splats into the surface. 
So it's improved spin around the greens, which was what Woods wanted. A little extra spring off the driver. So, I mean, it, this thing is a, it's technologically groundbreaking, and I'm jacked to see that as well. Yeah, I'm going to go check out, uh, well, I got to go to this, this, uh, Vineyard Vines thing last night, a mm-hmm. dinner last night that, that, uh, Jim Nance hosted. That was really fun. That was a, that was a cool deal. I'm going to go check out, uh, I think Link Soul. I've kind of, kind of gotten to know, know those guys a little bit, so that'll be fun, and, I don't know. I, I think it's fun just to walk around. Yeah, and, and just off from our set over here, you got the area where folks can hit, and there's golf clubs that you can go and test and such like that. But right there, I'm going to pop by the Flightscope booth, and, and they've got a new product out called the Mevo Plus, which is a small little launch monitor, very portable, that you can actually track the flights and stuff, so you can design your own home simulator with yeah. this thing. And so I want to go and check that out and fiddle around with we it. We might be in a simulator bubble. I think every company has a simulator. Around us, yeah, exactly. It's... it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, there's one right behind us. Supreme I'm gonna go, golf. I'm gonna absolutely. play. I'm gonna play 18 over there. I think <laughs> later on today. Uh, so two things real quick before we get into Tory. Uh, yesterday, uh, we got to tape some uh, stuff for a feature that's coming out uh, later this spring about the Masters. Uh, and our produ- two of our producers, Tori and Alex, did a great job setting it up, uh, asking us questions. And and I thought the most poignant moment. I want to bring this up because I wanted to talk to you. Don't about do it. it. Don't make me cry. Now. No, 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 no. no. I, I thought it, I thought it was a real thing. I thought it was cool. You got you started talking about um, Augusta and what it means and being there, what it's like to be there. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people that are listening, probably most people that are listening, haven't been there, and especially not in in the way that you've been there. Not not that close to it. And you got a little choked up about it. And I thought that was a really cool moment because it was very genuine. It was very authentic. And and I want to combine that with the fact that, you know, I, I'm really excited for you getting to uh, be on uh, more of the broadcast this year, have a, have a, have an elevated position uh, with what CBS is doing. So what, what, what was that about? Where did that come from as you were thinking about that? Uh, you know, I gotta take a deep breath. The Here Masters, <laughs> the Masters represents so many dreams to so many people. Yep. And I remember as a kid growing up, we didn't have much golf and television. The only events we had was the Masters and the Open Championship. So that's why you speak to any international and they will list those as the events yep. that they set, R- set their Rory has said that. Uh, he threw in Ryder Cup too. Well, yeah, I mean, the Ryder Cup for us came a little later. And, and remember, when I grew up, it was a different age to Rory. I'm 49 years and holding. And so Ryder Cups initially, yeah. they weren't broadcast as widely right? because it was a whipping. I mean, the Americans used to knock off the, inter- uh, the, the European team badly until along comes Tony Jacklin and Nick Faldo and Seve Ballesteros and, and all those guys. And then the thing became competitive, and it's grown legs since then. So for us, really, golf on TV was the Masters, and it was the Open, and... I remember having to wake up with a time difference at all hours of the morning, huddling around here, and just seeing this event and seeing these Masters champions and sort of aspiring, if you will. And then, lo, I, I end up in college in Columbus, Georgia, which is three and a half hours away. Um, I head off and I become a golf instructor on the European Tour, and my brother turns good. And, and, and then going back to the Masters as a family member, of Trevor playing as an amateur the first time. Yeah. Then going back there as... What year was that? Well, that was 99. Okay. Um, so was that VJ? Uh, Who won yeah, it in 99? I, I, well, uh, you put me on the spot. I don't know offhand, but I know Sergio was the low amateur, Sergio Garcia. And Trevor made the cut. Uh, the first day was blustery and cold, and he shot 72 and was on the leaderboard. And, and I thought the Immelman family was about to explode. Um, <laughs> and so to uh, to see this... And to experience it and then to go back there to Columbus State University and be a coach over there. And then to be a coach of players playing in the event and to be a coach of two Masters champions in my brother Trevor and Larry Mize. It it just kept on growing closer. And then I ended up teaching a few members there. And so I get to go and go to the golf course once in a while. And and Augusta National, one of the members, members said it best. He said to me, he goes, every time I feel like, every time I come here, I feel like I've jumped the fence. Because this is larger than life. Mm-hmm. And then eventually for Trevor to win that thing, it, it was... My dreams didn't go that far. Yeah. And so to be asked about it, now to be on the broadcast crew, I mean, it, this uh, this is uncharted territory for me. And and, and uh, to then be on the Amen Corner show, which is like the... Those three holes are 
they they renowned worldwide. Yeah. Amen Corner is synonymous with Augusta National, and there's a there's a sort of a spiritual air about the place, and and to be on that show is is moving. Uh, that sh- those holes last year was when Tiger accelerated into the lead. Yeah. Uh, which it might go down as one of the great masters, well, one of the great, but might the greatest of all time, and. To be a part of that is great, and to be a part of CBS and and Future Masters is <laughs> uh, it, it just I don't get it. Well, it, it, it's the thing for me that's cool is I think you get in this this industry and this business, and we see it all week here, and we see it on the road sometimes, and people just get um, I don't know if jaded is the right word, but you just it, it becomes normalized, You're grizzled. Yeah, you, yeah, it becomes normalized, and it's just a job, and it's just a thing, and I and I think the thing that I've really gleaned from you in the short time that we've known each other is is this this gratitude for uh what we get to do that not everybody has Mm -hmm. and and that that's a reminder to me to continually uh remind myself to have that gratitude because it is it is the it's the best like and i was telling you well you make a good you make such a good point because think of we'll keep it on the masters for a minute or any big event tory pines this week tigers playing they are 10 deep on either side of the hole. Yeah. The fans just clamoring to see this guy. And then, by extension, McElroy and Justin Thomas and DJ and all these heroes. With your credential and with mine, we get to walk inside the rope so you get a front row at what's going on. So it's our responsibility to package this stuff properly for folks who want to be involved. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a big responsibility, and, and you hit it on the head. Where I think folks who've been in the industry in our position for a long time are like oh, whatever. It's not whatever, man. Every day there's a young golfer who might like me see this on TV, and that 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 is the catalyst to something in the future. Yeah, for sure. And it's not. Yeah, it it, it I just I hope that. For you, and I hope for myself that that that, that joy is not lost yeah, over the next. Amen. 5, 10, 15, 30 years, however long we're doing this. So that's one thing that I've really, that I've really gotten from you and, and, uh, that, that's been, that's been special. It's been a cool thing to see in your life, in your presence. And yeah, man, I'm just, I'm really excited for your, uh, future at CBS and, and the work that you get to do. Thank you, man. Um, look, uh, the CBS Sports and the CBS Network show is one thing, you know, but this, the, the, the work that these folks at CBS HQ and digital do is, I mean, this podcast has been so much fun for me to be involved in because it sort of steps me away from broadcasting and it steps me away from college golf coaching and it steps me away from, from um, golf instruction. And I just get to rap about the most recent golf events in the world's game, which is, it's a different avenue. And so what the guys are doing at CBS HQ is, is tremendous as well. And it's fun to be a part of with you. For sure. Uh, okay. Speaking of most recent events, we've got the, I, I thought the farmer's insurance open was happening this weekend. I think it might be the Tiger Woods invitational because that's <laughs> all anybody's talking about. Uh, it's Jordan Speed's comeback. <laughs> he's 50 to one. He's like behind. He's like way worse odds than Colin Moore. Hey guys, I, I, saw Cal, uh, I, I saw Cal <laughs> Porter on his phone this morning with the guys at DraftKings, and I think he was doubling down on his Jordan Spieth bet. <laughs> There's no stock left. Anybody, anybody at this show who wants Jordan Spieth stock, I'm not selling it. I've got it all. Uh, speaking of Colin Moore, Colin, this is the other thing I was going to bring up. You, before we went on... Uh, before we went live this morning, you're about HQ, to cause a Twitter firestorm. Now you know this. You dropped this take on me that I hadn't heard yet, and I, I, I almost wasn't able to. I had to, almost had to remove myself from no, going you on air. At, no, you laughed at me, was, and folks. He looked at me and he sort of shook his head and he was like, "Seriously?" It, it's <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." It's the best take. I love this take. So you said, when did you say this last year? You said it on PGA. It was Tour on a live. PGA Tour live show, and Marikawa was in the coverage and. He was just, you know, you put that guy with an eight iron or less in his hand, and he's an assassin. I mean, he just stiffs the thing inside of 15 feet regularly, and and I was overcome by something. <laughs> and, and I said, and I looked at our host at the time, John Swantek, who's been around the block a few times. Love, love Swanee. Swanee's awesome. And I said, Swanee. And as I said this, my <laughs> producer goes, in my ear, he goes, here we go. <laughs> right? And he's, I said, Swanee. I'm going to say this, and I'm about to get the most Twitter hate one can imagine, and you guys can come at me, but I feel like, at his best, Colin Morikawa is a 
better iron player and hits the ball closer than Tiger Woods. Right now. Like, yeah. like not, not Tiger in not Tiger 2000. 05. No, no, ti- no, Tiger 2000. He belongs on, you know, Mount Rushmore or, or Valhalla, you know. It's, he, he was operating in a sphere where I don't think any golfer, and this is a big statement, will ever get back there. I mean, that yeah. was just ridiculous what he was doing. And us folks who were there to witness this have to count ourselves very fortunate. It's like, I'd love to have watched Bobby Jones play. Yeah. But anyway, back to Morikawa. I'm like, I think he's a better iron player than Morikawa. And Swanee looks at me. And we were not on camera, thankfully. And <laughs> he took, he sort of smiled at me and tilted his head. And then he reached out with his arm. And imagine you've got a cigarette. And he goes, <laughs> it's like I've made the biggest statement and he, just, he, he had no comeback and I said the same thing to you and you gave me the same response going seriously but we looked it up so proximity to the hole I was right 2018-2019 season uh, neither of them uh, had enough of, uh, qualifying events to, to rank uh, but Tiger would have ranked 10th if he had enough events and Morikawa would have ranked 5th if he, or 6th mm-hmm. I think if he had enough events so Morikawa's proximity to the hole I think it was 33 feet 4 inches uh, on average, and Tiger was 33 feet 10 inches. So technically, I mean, you don't even need stats. You just go by the by yeah, well, well, that's by the, looking that's, at that's the difference. And I think why we're the perfect foil for each other because <laughs> you're the strokes gained maestro. Okay, I, I, I'm more about strokes lost mentally and and, and and strokes lost when your tendons tighten up in your rear end when the pressure gets. You said over. something about strokes gained with your heart the other day or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and strokes lost with the sphincter tightening syndrome and the sort of stuff under pressure. Um, so. That's where we work well, because you went and backed up my statement. I just watched him play, and I get my head turned once in a while. You know, head turners for me are like Tiger, McElroy, uh, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and maybe I'm grizzled in the fact that as a PGA and European Tour instructor, I've been on the ranges watching these guys play. And, you know, they're all good. Yeah. I've always maintained that to, to suck on the PGA Tour, you've got to be really good. Yeah. Okay, because I always have to explain to South African fans why is Ernie not winning and why is Trevor not winning, and, and so there's this: these guys are so good. Well, I'm like, these guys are so good, but you get these head turners on the range, and, and Marikawa, he's not going to blow you away with the sound of the strike like a Stenson, and he's not going to just open your eyes with the way he plays the game, but he constructs the game well, and when you put him a scoring club in his hand. He hits the ball in there tight more than anyone I've seen. And and that led me to make this statement, and thankfully you backed it up with some st- statistics, albeit, the, albeit that the sample size was pretty small. It was small. We'll see how it goes this year. More calls, I think, 119th in proximity to the hole so far this year, which is but he'd look, okay, not he, great. He was playing in um, Kapalua yeah. with these massive greens and crosswinds. And, uh, so. For sure. Yeah. And he also didn't play there last year because he wasn't uh, he won the, on the PGA Tour yet. But by the way, what if what if in another industry, like if you had to be the in the top 150 in, in uh, like, you're making, a superstar. Making Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> and if you and if you didn't, you like lost your job. Uh-huh. That's that's insane. I think I think there's not enough appreciation for uh, w- like having to keep uh, like having to keep your job on the PGA Tour. I'm going to borrow that take because you have done a beautiful job there of illustrating it to folks. Because I think the casual fan, you know, you look at the guys that are down the pile and the FedEx Cup points list or whatever the case might be, you know, some sort of stroke average or metrics and such. And you're like, yeah, man, you suck. Yeah. But you're right. <laughs> if you were not in the top 50, 150 in sales, you lose your job. I'm like, mm, okay. That's a lot of lost jobs. No kidding. You know, and I, I know, the, and, and I, yeah, we, we, we don't need to go down the, you know. Yeah, we're losing. We, we, well, that's what you and I do. This the, is our dinner the, time the, conversation. The rabbit hole of money earned and all that stuff. But uh, speaking of more Colin Tiger, they're in a, they're in a parent, they're in a group with a feature group with John Rahm starting out at Torrey Pines. What? Check out PGA Tour Live. You'll have every shot. Yeah, there. what's a uh, what's a good week for Tiger? So he goes T. I think last year he was T23. 2018, he's T20 at this event. Obviously, he's dominated there over the years. Won eight times. Won a U.S. Open there. We all know all the stats. Uh, but what's a good week for him? What what does success look like for him to start 2020? That's a good question. Um, I, I'm going to I'm going to go back to what. Tiger said when Tiger came out and he was called out by Curtis Strange or someone and go, you know, 
I came here to win. You know, now Tiger, it's amazing how the career has now panned out where when he was injured and he didn't even know if he was going to compete again. And then it's like, okay, if he plays well and, and, and he makes the cut, it's, it's success, if you will. Then all of a sudden he wins Eastlake at the Tour Championship and then he wins the Masters. Then all of a sudden all of the speak was like, well, he's going to clean up in the majors. And then he doesn't. And then he, he wins at Zozo and gets to 82. And now yeah. 83, he's, he's Sam Snead hunting. Well, he's caught down Sam Snead. It's now overtake for all-time victories. I'm going to say that Tiger is going there to win. Um, I'm not so sure how he's going to play. I know that he's completely equipped with the way he's driving the golf ball now because Tiger 2.0 hits the thing with a lot more accuracy off the tee. You know, when he was younger, it would be just bum and go and play from where the ball lies. But Torrey Pines is demanding off the tee, and he's driving the ball well. So if he can find a way to make a few putts... He'll be in contention. So I think he's going there with one design in mind. And that's not make the cut, not the top ten. I think Woods is thinking victory. And so if Woods thinks that's way, that way, then he becomes that Tiger Woods we know. Yeah, I, see, I, I disagree a little bit in that I think uh, 32-year-old Tiger, certainly 22-year-old Tiger, was going to every tournament to, to raise the trophy. And I think Tiger at 44, certainly he's going to win. But I, I, I think there are other things that he's going there for. I think he's going there to make sure he maintains health. I think he's going there to start building for Augusta, which which he's always he's always kind of done. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's as singular in terms of like having to win the golf tournament when he goes to it at, at the age of 44 as he used to be. Maybe that's wrong. I mean, we're 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 like psychoanalyzing somebody that we don't know. Yeah. But I I I I, I feel like his mindset is broader now than it was before. Well, you bring up a good point because Tiger's defined himself by major championships. Yep. Right? Uh, and, Especially and now because yeah. there's only so much he's, left in the tank. Yeah, exactly. He's got limited swings. He's actually said so. He goes, human beings only got so many swings like Kobe Bryant said, you only got so many games or jumps or whatever it was. Um, but I will say this, 83 is a deal. You know, yeah, for sure. The all-time wins record is a thing and I think the quicker he can knock that off and, and put that one to bed, if you will, then it allows him to fo- use your term focus and zone in on the major championships even more. Uh, but but who knows? I mean, no one knows with Tiger. Uh, I've 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 written him off and uh, plenty of times and been proved wrong. At times I've said, well, he's gonna he's gonna win the canter and then he doesn't. Like after the Masters, yeah, exactly. Sure. It so felt like you know, so if that's it, what makes it so compelling. It felt like he's gonna win like five more times and then you see that video of him. Like, do you remember the video that got put out where he was like uh, accepting? It was some sort of like birthday cake or award or something. I don't, I don't, I forgot who put it out there. And I, I'm like, can he even walk? Do you yeah. remember this video? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was like a couple weeks after Augusta, and it was Golf TV that that put it yeah, out. I remember Jacob, that. Yes, Jacob, our producer, yeah. uh, is is now Jacob the brains. Jacob's, <laughs> Jacob's actually running this show where he's just he's just feeding us lines right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so Golf TV puts this video out, and Tiger looks like he can barely walk, and you're like, I don't, I don't know how this is gonna go. And I, so so I'm zagging this year. Everybody thinks 83. He'll compete at the majors. Strokes gained is so high, Kyle. You're going against your mind. He's Kyle Porter, folks. Mark the time. is going with his heart. God forbid. <laughs> so I'm zagging. I say he doesn't win at all this year. If I give you, I know we already did over-unders, but if I give you one and a half wins for the calendar year, are you going over or under? 2020 calendar year. Wow. Not the season, because he's already won are this. Are we betting the dinner that I went off you here recently? Well, we just, what did we just, oh, we bet, uh, we, we've got a dinner on Fowler finishing top 30 at Torrey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm winning that one. Um, <laughs> one and a half wins, uh, one and a half wins is a big ask even for Tiger. I, I think one win, if it was a major, he'd take, uh, but, but a lot of the golf courses he's going to set up for him. Um, but you know what? I, and this is what I did. I lost a bet on Tiger two years ago, and I don't want to revisit that. I had to, I had to eat crow, as they say in America. Who'd you lose it to? You guys ate crow for the bet? You <laughs> actually ate crow? I had to buy dinner for one guy that turned into, he bought a posse of folks and it was very pricey. Was it Rory? <laughs> no, no. It was uh, a few CBS people at Pebble Beach, so it wasn't cheap either, right? And I don't make the salaries that those CBS folks do. Anyway, so, so I digress, but back to the question at hand. I took the bet against Tiger getting a win, not because of Tiger, I took it on the field. Yeah. McElroy. Yeah. Dustin. Justin Rose, John Rahm. Wait, well, this Justin was last Thomas. year? 
two or years ago. 18. I bet the Tiger wouldn't win an event. So he wins the tour. You got, the, you got the, the last event. Tour championship. <laughs> the guy wins the event. So I lost the bet. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that again. I, I'm going to say he gets a win, but not two just because the fields are yeah. that good and the events he plays in attract the strongest fields. It's not like he's going to show up at, at easy. Not, uh, uh, easy. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll stop. My, my producer's raising the finger and saying, stop now. Uh, okay. We got about, uh, we got about 10 minutes and we're going to get to, uh, to Frank Nablo here in a little bit, but who are the other guys you want to talk about this week? We got we got Rory in the field, we got John Rahm, we got Ricky, we got Jordan Spieth, we mentioned Morikawa. Uh, let's talk about Spieth. I, I want to get you all excited. But I, look, <laughs> I, I, I read a take from his press conference yesterday, and, and Jordan Spieth, this was his debut as a professional. He showed up here at Torrey Pines, played beautifully on the north course, but got whipped a bit by the south. I think that was his best start at Torrey, was... Was his first one, wasn't it? I believe so. I don't know. You, you, you're the history buff. Um, but but he talks. That was like four years ago. <laughs> he talks. <laughs> so what? You were 21. <laughs> I was still 49 then. <laughs> um, he's he's talking about going to 3D metrics. That's that sounds like what he doesn't need to be talking about. Well, and and you and I talked about this the other day. What is that? What's 3D metrics? Well, it's when these players put on all of these sensors around their body, and then you get. Uh, readbacks, uh, feedback and, 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 and readouts on, on how much certain areas of the body are performing and what the timing of stuff is. And this all sounded like eye popping. And he said, I'm just trying to get the timing of everything back like it was when I was playing really well a couple of years ago. So he's searching for Jordan Spieth a few seasons ago. It's not like he's searching for, like he had been for a little while, you know, a golf swing adjustment to garner more distance. So, so I think, he and his team, as he always calls them, have now gone, man, we've scaled Everest one time. Why are we trying to find another road up the, to the top of this mountain? So they're trying to venture up the same way. So that is a good, uh, that's a good thing for Jordan Spieth. Um, the way he putts is always going to be the equalizer, you know, because if you putt well, you can compete. But, but, but I feel like he, he's, he seems to be on the right track right now. He says it's still hard. <coughs> Pardon me. He said he was buoyed, buoyed by the performance um, on the Asian swing in the fall. He had a good finish there at the CJ Cup, I believe. But but there's still stuff being built on. So I think Spieth is going in the right direction. I don't think 3D metrics is the right direction for him. I think he needs to go to like 1D. I mean, look, his problem is you one you, putt. You yeah, you watch him over the ball right now. I've said this a hundred times in the last three months. You watch him over the ball right now, and you can almost you can almost see the thoughts that are going through his head. And and there's like well, a, you can hear them if we just keep the natural sound on the broadcast <laughs> up because he's talking to Mike Grellin on stuff. There's like a million of them, and it's like he needs to shut the mind off. I mean, this is just this is basic like professional golf stuff. Shut the mind off, and, and maybe this is what he's trying to do in terms of like getting his feel back from. Um, from 15, from 17, when he was he was the best player in the world from tee to green in 2017, the best guy in the world. Uh, so he needs to figure out how to get that feel back and then just shut his mind off and go. Talking of best, one of my now colleagues on the CBS Network crew is Frank Novolo, and this guy has got one of the best takes ever. And, and he's and why I like and you'll enjoy him too. He's a real deep thinker about stuff and, and he, he uses metrics and he uses data, but then he takes it to this playing point of view because he has been a global champion and he's won around the world on the PGA tour, the European tour and such. And, and, and I'd be interested to get Frank's take on this because the guy is one of the best as it, as it pertains to analyzing the game. Well, we've got him on the phone right now, so let's go talk to him. Okay, we're here with Frank Nabla of CBS. Frank, uh, exciting time of the year. Uh, Mark Ellen and I just got done talking. We were hollering at each other about Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods. Uh, you're preparing for Torrey Pines right now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really interested. You know, I'm at the PGA show and, and I'm kind of just, you know, I'm reading, uh, information packets. I'm reading articles. I'm reading press conference transcripts to, to try to get a feel for what's going on uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open in in the world of golf right now. What does your preparation look like uh, for an event like this uh, and for a week like this in which, you know, there's a lot of different things that could happen. How do you prepare uh, to go on air and, and, and to call all of this stuff? 
It's a great question, Cole, um, and, and the answer is always sort of convoluted because you never really know what's going to happen once the ball's being struck. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I leaned on Billy Packer, the basketball coach, many, many years ago in the Champions Tour, and uh, Brant Packer, his, his son, who's a producer, they got to, you know, was nice enough to inter- introduce me to his dad. And, and I went through the usual things, trying to be nice to him, but I really wanted to know, you know, how he prepared. I mean, he'd lasted so long in the industry, and I just about annoyed everybody with, from a Mike Tirico, <laughs> Jim Nance, you name it, on how they got ready for a show. And, and Billy Packer actually, I think, gave it the best description. He said, you know, you do all your preparation, which team should beat who and why and what are the differences. And I'm like, you know, all this for that. But then the gold came out, and he goes, and then you follow the ball. Mm. And, and that's the big thing. I think we can sometimes we get caught up in the analytics, myself included. Yeah. And believe me, there's plenty of it. You know, you can shot link is an amazing tool, but still, it doesn't cover every single tournament, so it has its weaknesses. But you can use its strengths by using it. For example, there's uh, Scott Fawcett uses a decade systems. Um, some people say it's a scoring system, but but it's really how you know targets that you would pick and aim for greens. So he's really overlaying the general. All of, of shot length over a golf course, and trying to decipher how people play, and things like that. Believe it or not, help an announcer going in because we would say, for example, his latest one was angles, hit it down the left, the flag on the right. Well, really, shot length proves there's no real advantage, mm. especially the way in which the courses are set up. So when you're doing your homework, you're looking at whether greens are soft or firm. You know whether they're wearing out during the course of the day with traffic getting bumpier, the weather conditions. You're trying to look at it all, players' form coming in, but in the end. Was, you know, for example, look at Andrew, uh, you know, Landry just last week. Yeah. And, you know, I think he missed a cut by 12 shots the previous week. Analytics will never point that out. So you you play that balancing game. And in the end, to quote Billy Packer, you follow the ball. And, and that's the, the neat thing. That's where I get my excitement in broadcasting like I used to as a player because each day presents a totally you know new challenge. Yeah, and they- this year going full-time now with CBF, which I'm really excited to, it's a totally new challenge. I'm glad you brought up Landry because some of that, the, the, the Landry stuff, so he misses seven of eight cuts, his last five in a row, and then he goes out and he looks like he's gonna be on the, the U.S. Ryder Cup team. And I'm like, this, like, how am I supposed to, you know, like, do these one and done leagues and, and, and try to figure this stuff out and preview it? Because it's, it, you know, when somebody like him goes out and he's 27 under, you're like, this is all nonsense. It's just, it, it's so, and that's the exciting part, right? Is you go in and you're like, I think I know that these six things are going to happen. Uh, and I'm pretty sure these three things might happen. And then all of it gets just blown out of the water. And you're like, I, I have no idea about any of this. And I think, I think some people get frustrated by that or worked up by it. I think it's kind of fun. That's the, in my opinion, it's the beauty of the game, Carl. Because you, you think about golf itself. Doesn't matter what level you play. You know, you, you stand on the first tee, and, and, and everybody has their little nerves. Whatever your handicap is, is a, a new day is about to start. Yeah. And from that opening tee shot, you hope it's going to be driven down the middle of the fairway. But it could be in the right rough bunker, out of bounds, you name it. And this sort of weird trail starts for 18 holes. And uh, you know, I, I know. Times when I double bogey the first hole, thing it's terrible. And the old Nicholas thing, Nicholas slogan is you're gonna you're gonna have bad holes, whether they come at the first, the sixth, sixth, tenth, eighth, or whatever. It's unavoidable. So you just try and get back on track. Um, so the game itself is is crazy in nature. It's like life. You just you can never predict for anything that's going to happen. But in, when you take that extra step backwards in a different perspective, that does happen on a regular basis. And we do see guys miss a cut or uh, and go on a win, or someone wins from the cut line that we didn't sort of look at going into Saturday morning. Um, it really is the beauty of the game. The fact that it's not a team sport, the fact that it's not one on one, it's one against the field. Um, you know, that's that's what drives announcers crazy, but also <laughs> makes this game great. Yeah, I totally agree. So. Uh, speaking of not being able to predict anything, let's try and predict the Farmers Insurance Open. <laughs> we uh, so Mark and I touched on Tiger a little bit. Uh, we talked a little bit about Jordan Spieth. I, the guy that I keep coming back to in my mind, Frank, is is uh, is John Rahm. And I think we look at Rahm, and I, I think what he did at the end of 2019. I don't know whether it was because it was on the European Tour. 
uh, or it was the end of the, kind of the calendar year. I don't know, whatever reason, it felt like it flew under the radar. But if you look at his numbers from the U.S. Open on, he was lights out. He wins La Hinch. Uh, he wins uh, the year-end event on the European Tour. I mean, he it, and not only that, but he was like, if he wasn't winning, he was T3, he was T8, he was top tenning every single week. I think he missed at one cut at the Dunhill Links, but other than that, he was lights out. Do you, what are your expectations coming into not only this week for him, but but the rest of the year? You pick a good one straight out of the box, Carl. Um, and you're, you're right. The, the game is conveniently global at times. And, and what I mean by that, everybody knew that Tiger Woods got win number 82 in Japan, <laughs> right? But you just detailed the other parts of the world that really nobody took any interest in, especially stateside. So, you know, and, and you're right, John Rahm is just outstanding. Um, he didn't play China. Uh, my memory serves me correct because I did those three events in Asia. So you actually skipped a couple of tournaments, so you would think, oh, Rahm's not here. And and then you don't notice where he did perform well because he was getting married, yeah. having a little bit of a break. So the other thing he's done is, is not just has he done an outstanding job since he's turned professional and never taken a single step backwards. He's quietly gone along about you know scheduling himself extremely well so he doesn't get burned out. Um, so I, I expect him to come back to Torrey Pines where he's won. He made that amazing putt down the hill a few years ago and play well purely because he is, you know, the third best player in the world, looks like it and plays like it. So, yeah, you know, Rahm is, is one of those um, probably story number three or four because you know, people are going to go to Woods where he's won seven farmers and, and one U.S. Open around the golf course. But, you know, realistically, he hasn't won there since 2013 when he was the best player in the world again. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tory really does prejudice for, for the longer hitters. He's not the longest hitter anymore, but, you know, I saw him in Japan. And, you know, his rhythm, you know, when he starts to play golf like that, he plays to his strength, which is his iron play. And Torrey Pines with small greens and, and uh, you know, different undulations, different shelves, will lead itself to that too. So if, if we see a guy that's vaguely sharp, um, I look for him to contend anyway. But it's such a good field. You know, there's, there's a, you know, half of the top 25 players in the world are there, and it's a big field, 156 players. So that guarantees you a ton of curveballs. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, we can we can talk about a million guys here. I, I think one of the one of the things for me, obviously, Rory's a big storyline going in. He's he's the uh, he's the betting favorite. He's the, the, the probably the best guy in the field, maybe the best guy in the world right now, uh, at least right there with Rom and, and Kepka and Justin Thomas and those guys. I, I wonder what your take is on. I think there's a world that exists in which. Uh, Rory has raised his ceiling in his 30s, his, his, his capacity for success, uh, because he um, has kind of cleared himself up, it feels like, mentally a little bit. Do you agree with that? Do you think that, that uh, the, the space in his head is clearer now than it was maybe two, three, four, five years ago? Uh, and if so, what do you think that means for him going into uh, not only 2020, but kind of his his next 10-year run as a, as a tour pro? Well, we hope we get another 10 years out of him. Um, you know, I hope he's not one of these guys that actually retires um, in mid to late 30s because he feels like he's done it all, because that's always a possibility. You know, with Rory, um, his feet have always been on the ground. But with, a, with regard to clarity, he's definitely clearer because he was so confused. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been on the, on the, on the precipice of the Grand Slam for, we've lost count every time we go into Augusta <laughs> and we talk about it. I think the Players Championship was huge last year for him, not just because it's a huge title and he hadn't won it before, but the way in which he did it, the way in which he closed it out in Rory fashion. I mean, he just hits bullets, you know, down the, down the key holes. But, um, you know, there's still question marks with Rory and I think that's why he's, he is, is such a, an awesome watch. Um, on one hand, he makes the game look incredibly easy. He's gifted. He really is gifted. And on the other hand, he's sort of tormented. Uh, you know, we expect so much about our superstars. He was burnt out by the um, by, by the attention for a little while. You know, he said changes. When you go through his career, just in a decade, if you look at the highlights and what he's done on the golf course, it's phenomenal. And if you look at what happened to him off the golf course, whether it's relationships, management, business, those type of things, it, it, it's a bit of a maelstrom. So, yes, he is in a clearer space. I think he is starting to run his own business, so to speak. Still listens to a lot of people. But I, I think he's starting to keep on track. 
while a lot of us, myself included, would say, um, you know, uh, maybe he'd be better suited with a with a, a professional caddy, perhaps the best caddy in the business if you could ever find one or define that. But in the end, when you speak to Rory, it, the big thing in his life is trust. Yeah. And Harry Diamond is, if not his best friend, one of one of his best three friends his whole life. So for him, it's trust. It's having someone next to him that has seen him through the highs and lows. So when you look at Rory, to answer your question sort of succinctly, he's put a lot of pieces in which has made his little castle of trust um, extremely tight and uh, not protective, but just one where he can look left and right and feel very, very comfortable. Yeah, it, it seems like he's ra- he seems like he's raised his floor in terms of what he's going to do in an individual event over the last couple of years. I, I know he had the bad open last year at Portrush. That's a little different, uh, I think, just because of the situation. But I just think his floor uh, in terms of what he's going to do in a single week is is incredibly high right now. I'm curious about this because. You know, I, I think people listening to this, they know that Rory gets me kind of wound up, gets me fired up about uh, just golf, and and I just I really uh, enjoy him as a player, as a person. Who who are maybe guys, and they don't even have to be in the in the Tory field, but who are some guys that when you uh, listen to them, when you watch them, they just fire you up. You just get excited about the game. You get excited about uh, the future of it. Who are those guys for you? Oh, there's so many, Kyle. I'm, I'm not trying to duck the question with that, but but yeah, I, you know, I love Rory for his flair. You know, Jordan Spieth. It's a big year for Jordan Spieth. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of times people say we give him too much credit, but he could retire now and nearly be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, those three majors, and and I go back to that, and I, and I, I I do point the finger at ourselves in the industry, and and we talked about how it was borderline one of the greatest seasons ever in golf. And next minute, he's like written off as, oh, he's too complicated, change the swing. And all. You know, it's, it's too easy to do that. I mean, the guy over the last few years um, had a very severe left angle injury, which happened in Australia, that he didn't talk about initially. Because I remember I was one of the ones that knew about it and didn't break the story. And then, you know, he had mono. Um, he got married. I mean, he's had a lot of things. Yeah. And if you remember on his very, very first year as a, as a rookie, which was phenomenal, he dropped 10 to 15 pounds in weight. That's something he's always sort of suffered with. So he's been trying to find a bit like what you're saying about Rory that level. But I just find him a fascinating watch. You know, I like the fact that he's different. He's complaining and he's talking with Michael Grell. We need ebbs and flows. Right now, you know, you, I, I could rattle off. Even guys like Pat Perez, right, I know he's in his 40s now. Now, Pat brings something different to the table. You know, Justin Thomas is different. John Rahm, who you've mentioned. And we're not even talking about, you know, Brooks Kepka, who I, I love his arrogance, to be honest. I mean, if you're going to be the number one player in the world in this generation... You better own it. He does. And then you got Dustin Johnson, who's like the sleeper that when he plays good, it's just, um, it's sublime. You know, Thomas, uh, then you got a, like a, a flatliner, like a Justin Rose. Um, you know, Ricky, we expect so much more. Everybody, you, if you go back five or ten years, and, and I argued when I was on studio shows, everyone said, oh, they're all cookie cutters, they all look like robots. I mean, you go through the top 25, top 50 players in the world, and yeah, you would see a few guys on the range doing the same sort of drills, but they are anything other than robots. Yeah. They're, they're, I think it's more individualistic now than you probably have to go back to the 60s or the 70s before they had a video camera out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, and I love it because it makes it, you know, when everybody's the same, if you're just covering this like prototype player, it's not, there's no, there's no friction there. There's no tension when you have kind of this clash of personalities or this clash of styles or this clash of players. And now you do have some friction. You've got some Brooks and Rory friction. You've got uh, JT and Spieth friction. And I, I don't I don't mean JT and Spieth friction in terms of like they don't like each other, but just in terms of their styles, in terms of their careers crossing. I think that makes for fascinating storylines in a way that you couldn't manufacture even if you tried. Yeah, we we so often want to just define everything as it is today, uh, and and it's, hey, believe me, I like stats and all that. But if if you look at a specific stat and you go, he's a better driver than him, and it might only be one or two percent, which is not even a tee shot a day, right? Yeah. Um, so in in this effort to so like pigeonhole people, you know, if we'd pigeonhole Tiger Woods in two, just after 2013, he was done. And then all of a sudden now we'd be spoiled. You know, we'd be like, okay, it was a great career. You know, could have done this, could have done that. And now you get what was 
you know, this, I don't know if it's the second act, third act, whatever you want to call it. And we never would have predicted what we're seeing now. And you write about, you know, Justin Thomas and Spieth, you know, you know, Spieth, obviously, it's a huge bump in the road for him right now. Does he recover? Does he become this? I mean, he's so young and, and he's still forgotten um, more than, than what most people know out there in this game. He knows what to do when the chips are all on the line. And Thomas, the slow start, so same age, and they're, they're, you know, you've still got to give the nod to Spieth, but obviously on current form, you give it, you know, you give it to Thomas. And then, you know, you, start, you look at the European players and they're shuffling around, you know, your Fleetwoods are getting into it. Maybe Justin Rose getting a little, a little older. You know, Henrik Stenson's after what we saw in, in Hero. And then you go to the young Americans, and then you start looking at, at the Ricky Fowler's, who's just changed coach. Um, you know, it's just to me when you when you really do go inside baseball, as they like to say, yeah, it's it, there's some fascinating stories on how people are trying to get the job done. And uh, but then in the end, we like to put them in a box and we go, okay, this is their career, but. You know, we sport with a lot of guys right now between the age of 25, 26, and 35, which is the prime of the careers. We don't know who's going to make that real push to the road, which which is good. We're in the middle of you know, what I think is a very good era. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, my last question for you is is give me somebody that it's so easy to talk about the, the Fowlers, who we haven't even talked about, but Fowler, Spieth, Rory, Rom, all these guys going into Tory. Is there anybody that's, you know, coming in, flying under the radar that you're like, look, like, why are we not talking about this guy? This guy's going to have not only a good week, uh, he's going to have a good season. This guy needs to be talked about more. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second to think about that. Mine uh, for this week is Scotty Scheffler. He's been playing really good golf. Uh, he's, he's got like, I think four or five top tens in a row. Uh, nearly won last week at, uh, at Palm Springs. So, I just, you know, it's he's not a star or a superstar yet. I think that he has the capacity to, to potentially become a star in the future. And uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about uh, the way he uh, could perform at Torrey and, and on into the rest of the year. Yeah, well, the the last two leading money winners off the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, Sanjay M and, and Scotty Scheffler. Yep, yep. Well, Sanjay M did an amazing job. And Scotty Scheffler, I remember doing Virginia. Uh, or West Virginia, um, when he first came out there. And, and he had a very, very good chance to win. I think he had the lead after 36 holes. And it's that mold, big, strong guy. We haven't, we, we have seen a lot of what I would call flat tracks lately. I'm curious when we see him on these type of venues where you got to up it a little bit that are less like the events he would have played on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. That's not a slide on his play by any stretch of the imagination. You know, you, you, you're going to go to, you know, Palana Greens, which, just going back to Rory, that's one of his little Achilles heels. There's nothing wrong with the surface. They just do, they can, um, traffic-wise, they can bounce around a little bit. I know that the superintendents don't like that, but not every Palana Green is like Oakmont. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when Scotty Scheffler, if he, if he can continue that on these type of golf courses coming up, and, you know, Genesis is another one, obviously, at um, L.A., uh, at Riviera, I mean, that'll be good test for him. If he gets through those, then yeah, he's. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he does what Sanjay M did you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but, but really, I'm, you know, and because you and I are so close to it, I guess it's not really stating um, anything what we would consider like crazy out there. But Colin Morikawa, yeah. I, I think it's a really interesting week for him because I've watched him and I got to meet him actually for the very, very first time at Hartford up close and personal. And he just turned pro. That was his first start. And a uh, CBS guy by the name of Josh Pick, who often is the analyst for Ian Baker Finch and was working for me as well, he said, you've got to go and see this kid from California. I'm like, ah, it's a bit raw, but you know, there's nothing else to do. I went there. I watched him practice. It was very impressive. And then I watched his game from there. And he has the big test because he's in the Tiger Woods group this week at Torrey Pines. Yeah. So, but Morikawa is outstanding throughout the bag. Uh, doesn't really have a weakness. You know, in the Victor Hovland, we've already seen him play well, and, and then you know, we're going to look at some of the other guys too. But you know, Morikawa, you know, he's not a he's not a six foot two guy, and he's not necessarily a power player. I'm really curious on that sort of player. You know, he's not as long as a Rory, similar stature, on how he will do this year after last year. But um, outstanding player, so he's one that I'm really looking at. And yeah. Victor Hovland, so I just think he's he's a little quirky. I, lo- I love you know Norwegian. I, I think he's great. 
Yeah, I like that. We were, uh, you didn't know this, but Mark and I were talking about, Mark was trying to talk me into Morikawa being a better iron player than Tiger, uh, earlier in this podcast, which is, which is, uh, both funny and also if you look at the proximity to the hole from, from last season, actually true, which kind of blew me away. Uh, what, what, is he able to, so you watch him practice, can he, does he have all the shots in terms of his iron play? Can he work it both ways? Can he go high? Can he go low? Is that, I mean, it seems like from watching him just on TV that he does. Is that something that you notice when you're watching him? Well, he doesn't have the six pitches that Tiger Woods does, does which is the you know high fade, medium fade, low fade, you know high draw, medium, and low draw, plus some of the other things. Um, he, he would hit it more left to right more often than not. Struggles a little bit more right to left, but he's new. You know, like you're comparing someone you know in their forties that's done everything to someone that's brand new. So I wouldn't expect him to have everything, but you know he has a rhythm. Um, I always call it the bit between the ears. He's he doesn't panic. Um, he's made that adjustment. Uh, you know, if you look at his consistency, once again, I'm going to go back to that stat. Is that you know if you play some easier golf courses, that is going to pad some of your numbers. Yeah. And as as I said, you know, shot link is on you know between two thirds and three quarters of the events, not all of them. So you know you can if you play a couple of good weeks and. They're on shot link and other ones, so we do have to look at. But but yeah, the strike is is really good, and the flight. It's in a you know everybody likes to refer to a window. You can hit it too high, believe it or not. So you're almost just throwing it up in the clouds. Yeah. Or you can hit it a nice height, and that's what Woods does. Morikawa has a really nice flight with his irons. So I tell anyone who wants to go and watch, just go on the range, watch him hit a few. But don't just go and watch five or six. Watch him for half an hour. And then you and count the number of what you consider poor strikes, and believe me, you'll uh, you know, you're lucky if you use a couple of fingers on one hand. <laughs> Man, I think Frank, this might be the <laughs> highlight of my week is talking just Colin Morikawa ball fights with Frank Nabla. This is the best. I love this. <laughs> hey, uh, good luck this week. I'm really excited for you, man. I, I I told Mark this earlier, and I think this about him. I think this about you as well. Uh, you do great work. Uh, you prepare well. Uh, you contextualize everything for uh, people that are listening and viewing really well. So uh, wish you the best at Torrey Pines and hope you guys have a great week out there. Hey, thanks, Carl. You keep doing what you're uh, what you're doing too, man. I'm a big fan. You know that. Okay. So I, I appreciate it. Thank Pre- you. Appreciate that. We'll talk soon. Yes. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.